First Corinthians chapter two is where we're going to begin tonight. First Corinthians chapter two. And we're going to begin by reading a single verse, and then we're going to look at a portion of this chapter, but also some verses in other places as we think about this subject, the mind of the Lord. Um, I've heard people say that before, you know, about praying, I want to pray and get the mind of the Lord. That's a good biblical phrase. I want God's wisdom. I want to know what, what, um, what the mind of the Lord is. And it's, a, it's really a subject worth considering. And so let's stand together for the reading of the word, if you're able to. Verse 16 of 1 Chronicles chapter 2. The Apostle Paul writing says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? Kind of a rhetorical question, I would think. That you, who knows so much that they're going to teach God? Who, who knows the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And then he says this, But we have... The mind of Christ. And we need the mind of Christ. So let's pray and ask the Lord to help us as we look into this together. Father, we pray tonight that you would do for us, Lord, what only you can do, and that is to write upon the tables of our heart the Word of God. Lord, we want to present to you, we want to bring to this time of teaching and learning hearts that are receptive. Lord, we know that the good seed of the Word of God is powerful, but we, want, we also know that the condition of our heart, stony hearts or cluttered, busy hearts can affect the way the Word of God is received. So, Lord, we want our hearts to be open and receptive tonight. God, we pray that you would help us to learn, not only to learn something, but, Lord, to practice this matter of determining, discerning the mind of the Lord. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So what does it mean when it says the mind of the Lord? And, and again, we're looking at one verse, and much of chapter 2 refers to this very subject. But the Lord's mind, I, would in, I think, would include the thoughts of God. What does God think? If I'm, if, you know, the mind of the Lord would be what does God think? Uh, the mind of the Lord would be what does God want? Be God's will, the mind of the Lord. For who hath known the mind, who can know, verse 6 question is, who can know or who has known the mind of the Lord? And included in that question to me is a, a response to that rhetorical question. That is, none of us naturally can know the mind of the Lord. None of us can. None of us can of our own mind, of our own inclination, know the mind of the Lord. And uh, we don't possess that ability. It's, I can't say for certain, but it's, it certainly is a possibility that Paul was quoting from an Old Testament passage. And I want to turn there. We'll come back to 1 Corinthians 2. But go to Isaiah for a moment, if you would. Isaiah chapter 40. And Isaiah in this chapter uses similar language. And one would think, I would think, maybe Paul was referring to this when he, when he asked this question. 
uh, who, who had known the mind of the Lord that it may instruct him. In Isaiah chapter 40, and look in verse 13, if you would. It says, Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, hath taught him? Who, who ever taught the Lord anything? Verse 14, With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him? And taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding. Again, it's a question, but the question, the question's obvious. You know, who's ever taught God anything? And the answer is no one ever has. None of us could, no one, none of us, we may, sometimes we may try to, you know, help God out. But, but God really never learned anything from me. And he never learned anything from any of us. As, and uh, so, so what about this matter of the mind of the Lord? You're in Isaiah 40. Go to the right a little bit, if you would, from there to Isaiah chapter 55. Talking about the mind of the Lord and his thoughts and our thoughts. Isaiah 55, verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. If you'll turn to God, if you repent, turn to God, he'll have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And then God says this in verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So that's pretty clear. Um, God says, this is God's word, God said, your thoughts and my thoughts are not alike. My thoughts are much higher than your thoughts, and his ways are higher than our ways. So, so the quest, let's go back to the original question, and that is about the mind of the Lord no one, not a one of us, fully understands. First of all, none of us fully understands God's ways. None of us fully understand God's, God's plans or God's purposes. But, but one of the things that God wants us to recognize is that our thoughts are not his thoughts. And he doesn't want us to live by our thoughts. He wants us to know the mind of the Lord. He wants us to, and it, we don't just naturally have that. I can't just come to any situation and just naturally believe that because I think a thing is so, that makes it so. Or because I think there's a certain thing I should do, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing to do. But what we ought to want to know is the mind of the Lord. You know, how can we know the mind of God? What does God think about this? It's a very foolish person, according to Proverbs, who relies upon his own wisdom. We do that sometimes. Maybe, maybe we do it a lot more than we recognize. We rely upon just what seems right. We both, most of us know uh, there are two places in Proverbs that within, a, within one word, uh, verses say identically the same thing. And that is that, that, that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. It just seems right. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end of that way is death. So if you're sitting here tonight and you're thinking, well, most of the time I just do what seems right, that's not really 
the best path to take. Well, what's the option? We want to know the mind of the Lord. We want to know what God says. And there's nothing wrong with putting stock in wisdom, and there's nothing wrong with learning uh, from the experience of others, from our own experience. But back to Proverbs again, the, the writer of Proverbs says this. Just think about this for a moment. Cease. Cease means to stop. Cease from your own wisdom. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? You mean every time that I, I, just because I naturally think I ought to do something, I ought to just put the brakes on and just, that's exactly right. Just because we naturally think something is right doesn't make it right. So what do we need? We need the mind of the Lord. And in this, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and in this, con, the larger context of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and chapter 3, there, there, there are uh, some contrasts that are being presented in this larger portion of Scripture. And we've been in this passage a couple of times, different sermons, uh, not just me preaching, other people preaching it. Uh, um, Brother Justin preached about Apollos. I think he started maybe in this passage. But um, what are the contrasts? The, the, the real contrast in chapter 2 and 3 has to do with the natural man and the spiritual man. Much of, much of the problems, I think, in the Corinthian church could be attributed to people not really being spiritual. And by the way, a lot of the problems in our life could be attributed to the fact that we're not being spiritual. And sometimes we rely too much on our natural inclination, our natural wisdom. So in verse 14, just two verses prior to our text verse, it talks about the natural man. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Now, the natural man is the man that's not converted, the man that's in his lost condition. And the unsaved man cannot receive the truth of God. Now, you might ask, say, well, why? What does that have to do with the mind of God? Because the Lord can only know, make the mind of the Lord known to his children. He can't make the mind of the Lord known to those that are unsaved, to those who are not converted. In that same chapter, 1 Corinthians 2, in verse 11, it says, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. The things of God, nobody knows except God. The things of God. Isn't that what the Bible says? It's exactly what it says. Why? Because they're hidden. I don't know, I don't know in myself the, the, the ways of God, the things of God, the plans of God, the purpose. I don't know that in myself. And you don't know that. No, no matter how old we are, no matter how long we've been around, it doesn't matter. Because they're hidden. Look in verse 7. Paul writing here again this epistle to the Corinthian church says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. The word mystery there doesn't mean it's mysterious. It means it's been hidden. You know how we know? There's two ways, two sources, two resources for knowing God's thoughts and God's ways. Number one is his word. And number two is his son, 
Jesus came to reveal to us God the Father and his word reveals. You know, I personally believe before sin corrupted man, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, before sin corrupted them, they were much, not only were they more brilliant than we could even imagine, I believe that, before sin corrupted them, but I also believe that they probably had more of an inclination about the way God really is and what God's thoughts are before sin entered in. But since sin's come in, we've just all been corrupted by this, by this sinful nature that we all have. So we need the mind of the Lord. We need to know what the Lord thinks. What is God's opinion about a certain thing? And it uh, tells us in verse 14 there, I'm kind of jumping around in these verses, but chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. They're not intellectually discerned. They're spiritually discerned. The things of God are spiritually discerned. They're not understood in the natural mind. That uh, fairly well-known verse, verse 9 of chapter 2, says this, But as it is written, this is a quote from the Old Testament, again from the book of Isaiah, As it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now, that's a pretty simple verse. Now, people t quote that verse sometimes, thinking about what God has prepared for us in heaven, but in the context, that's not what he's talking about. In the context, he's talking about things that God wants to teach us, things that God wants to show us, ways in which God wants to replace our human thinking with his divine thinking. And so he says, you've never seen... You've never heard with your physical ear and your mind has never been able to imagine the truth of God. God has to show it to you. God has to make it known to us. Now just hearing that to me should create in us a desire to know the mind of God. A desire to get close to the Lord. To, to have our, our thinking processes our natural inclinations replaced with the logic or the thinking or the ways of God in our mind. So it's, it has to be discerned there in verse 14. These, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. You don't understand it in your natural mind. We want to understand everything logically. You don't understand things logically. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. How do we know that's happened? Because we do it by faith, because God says so. So, what is, God's, what is God's commitment? Here's God's commitment. He wants to reveal truth, not to the intellect, but to the spirit of His children. Lost people don't have the capacity. Lost people can sit and listen to sermons and try to put them together in their mind but they, they just don't fit because they don't have the capacity. But a person who's saved, and it doesn't have to be a person who's been saved a long period of time, if the Spirit of God lives within them, they have the capacity to understand spiritual reality. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? So this contrast in 1 Corinthians 2 is between the natural man and 
the spiritual man. Look again in verse 12, if you would, of 1 Corinthians 2. Now we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. God gave us the spirit of God that we might know the things that are given to us of God. So God has to reveal this truth to us. And he wants us to speak, look in verse 13, which things also we speak, these things that God has shown us. We speak these things, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. God's, God's truth is spiritually discerned. So it, all of this, not just this kind of a, Kind of an overview, but all of this has to do with the mind of the Lord. How can we know the mind of the Lord? How can we know what God's will is? How can we know what God thinks about this? This, this really uh, is an amazing thing for me to ponder, and that is this. In heaven, I believe this, in heaven we're all going to agree perfectly. Isn't that something? In heaven, nobody's going to like strawberries. <laughs> In heaven, we're all going to agree perfectly. Do you believe that? We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to see him as he is. We're going to know as we're known. Because we're going to be perfected. Now, that'll take a miracle, won't it? A big one. I mean, all miracles are big, but that's a big one. But here's another part of that. The more we die to self, the more we cease from our own wisdom, the more we're willing to lay aside our own inclinations, our own preferences, our own opinions, and rely upon God to teach us, the more we ought to be in agreement here. Does that make sense to you? And I, I think... I think it makes good sense. But I think a lot of times people don't really think it's important. Because we're here, we're all different, we all got our own opinions. I believe this. I believe if we could, I believe if we could all, the more we could just be willing to, again, cease from our own wisdom and let God's word and his will be made known to us and seek him. Lord, I want the mind of the Lord. The more we'd be able to discern what God's wisdom really is. And that, that's a good word there in the last part of verse 14. They are spiritually discerned. And let's just think about that for a few moments. We really need discernment. I mean, we need the mind of the Lord. We need the wisdom of God. I was rereading again today that um, request when Solomon was given the opportunity to ask for anything in the world he wanted. And I'm going to read as a quote a part of that request. Think about these words. He says, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. Isn't it amazing how often as, as God's people we, we differ on what's right and what's wrong? Isn't that really amazing? 
Do, do you think God is divided? Do you think Christ is divided? The answer is no, it's, he's not. It's not. The problem is that we, and I put myself, all of us, we're, our thinking is tainted by our own opinions, by our own preferences. And sometimes I think we, we're not serious about knowing the mind of the Lord. Sometimes we're not willing to know the mind of the Lord. Hold your finger here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and go to Hebrews 5 for just a moment. My wife and I were reading this passage today. Hebrews chapter 5. And just the last few verses, but they speak to this very same uh, topic. Hebrews 5 and verse 12. For when, Hebrews chapter 5. For when, for the time, you ought to be teachers. That phrase, for the time, means for the length of time that you've known the truth or you've been exposed to truth. When, for the time, you ought to be teachers. You have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Here's a good example of people who have been saved for a long period of time, long enough. They should be further down the road. They should be more mature. But the writer of Hebrews says, you, you need to start all over. You need to go back to first grade. You need to re relearn some of the first things you learned because you're not, you're not really ready for spiritual meat. You're just, you just have an appetite, a tolerance level for, for milk. Verse 13, for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. To, there's that word again, discern. He says you're not able really, you're too immature. You, you, you know, strong meat belongs to those who are mature, of a full age. And again, I don't think that's just talking about how old they are physically or even how old they are spiritually. It has to do with their spiritual maturity level. And he says, by reason of use, we can have our senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Again, discern is an important word. It means just because I want it to be right doesn't make it right. Just because you want it to be right or wrong doesn't make it right or wrong. No matter how many times you say it's okay, a, a, a mature Christian is not looking to find out what they want. They're looking to find out the mind of the Lord. What does God want? He said there, you're dull of hearing. I was talking to a pastor weeks ago about nothing in particular that I remember, but, but when I sat down to talk to him, he said, let me get on this side of you. That's my, this is my good ear. <laughs> he's younger than I am, but he's dull of hearing. He's not hearing that well. And uh, this is not talking about physical hearing, though. This is talking about spiritual hearing. Not really hearing God. You're dull of hearing. You need a hearing aid. <laughs> and so that, he's describing people there that aren't even able. You know, he says in verse 16, or 
I left my, left my place in Hebrews 5. I'm going to go back to it. Hope you're there. He says in the last verse there, Strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, who by reason, who, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. It, it takes maturity to really be able to discern the mind of the Lord and what's good or evil. And that's really where 1 Corinthians 2 is going to lead us. Let's go back there. We need discernment. By the way, what is it to discern? To discern means you make the right judgment. You can distinguish something. We need to be able to determine what's right and wrong. We need to know the mind of the Lord. I was thinking today, what if, let's just imagine that you're a jury and uh, you're sitting, you're, how many of y'all ever done jury duty? None of you? Yeah, some. Um, imagine you're sitting on a jury and, and you've got to make a judgment about a case. That's a very serious place to be. As a matter of fact, the more serious the case is, the more serious the screening of the candidates are. Because if you're, a part, if you're determined to be partial in one way or another, you can't serve on that jury if you've got preconceived ideas about, who, about the person who's been convicted of a crime. So, so, what is, so what are you supposed to do? A jury is supposed to be impartial, right? They're not just there. It's not a political decision. They're not just there to decide for what they want. They're there to decide, is this person guilty or are they innocent? And so as you're sitting on the jury, the prosecution is presenting their evidence in their case, and the defense is giving a compelling a defense of their of their the defendant and how you you shouldn't find them guilty and and you're listening to all this now there's a reason for this illustration you're listening to all this and what is your task it's to determine to discern the truth what is the truth and that's that's the way we ought to be in life that's what discernment is i want to know the truth you know, you and I may all not always agree on every subject, but listen, all of us should be seeking to know the mind of the Lord. That's what we want. The mind of the Lord. What is the Lord's wisdom about this particular situation? And, you know, as I think about that, there's so many ramifications of that. I was personally uh, involved with, with a process in another church, another place, and uh, had nothing to do with at all, our church at all, just the fact that I'm a pastor and I was uh, called upon. But they were seeking the mind, this church was seeking the mind of the Lord about a particular decision. And what came out of it was that there were people in the church, at least this was what they alleged, that they were kind of going around and campaigning to get people on their side for a decision they were going to make. And that's, isn't that silly? I mean, that's not only silly, it's evil. Because it's not about us getting our way, it's finding the mind of the Lord. That's what we want. We want the mind of the Lord. And even I was, uh, just bring a, a real current event into this. You know, we're going to be uh, talking some Sunday night about nominating uh, a few of our men to be considered as deacons. And, and you know, that's a very spiritual decision.
And I'm just saying this to kind of help us all out. It's not a popularity contest. It's not saying, I, I'd really like to see this person get it. No, it's, it's who does the Lord want? These are prayerful decisions. And that's a big decision for a church, but many decisions are big decisions. And how many times we just do something because it seems right or do something because other people are doing it rather than seeking the Lord? We need the mind of the Lord. I was reminiscing some today about how life was in our home when we first came to the Lord, my wife and I. And how, how we begin to evaluate all these things in our life. We, weren't, we were young. We were 21. But we knew this was, this was not the life we'd lived. We'd lived a different life. We'd lived in out of church and out of the Bible and living in sin and and we just everything was different for us the song the music was sure different everything was different the language was different the language I'd heard a lot of when I was lost is not allowed in church <laughs> not too long ago this is just kind of a personal story not too long ago I was with my my brother-in-law Mike Jordan and, of course, you know, I knew him. He's several years younger than I am, but I knew him when we were, I was just a junior hire, and I knew him. Now he lives in Tennessee, but, but he knew me before I got saved, and he, uh, sometimes we got along, sometimes we didn't. Sometimes I was, really honestly, sometimes I was kind of like a bully to him because I was dating his older sister, and he got in my way. He deserved it, but I mean, he was, so we knew each, we've known each other for a long time, but he told me this story the other day. I've never heard this story before. He said, I remember one time after you got saved, he said, we were going down the road in a pickup truck, and he said, Mike says, I was sitting in the middle, and somebody else was driving, and he said to me, he says, you were, at the, you were on the passenger window side. And he said, I had something in my hand. I don't know what it was, but he said, I went to throw it out the window. And he said, you just kind of grabbed it and gave it back to me. And, uh, and so he says, I threw it out again. He said, you just grabbed it. He said, I thought you were showing off how I could throw it out. And, and, and he said, finally, you turned to me and said, you don't need to be throwing stuff on the side of the road. And he said, that made an impression on me because he knew that hadn't been the way we were. I mean, we just, you got rid of something, you just threw it out. You said, that's just a little thing. I'm just saying, salvation changes everything. It doesn't just change the big things, it changes all things. And, we, and I, I think we need to look at it like that. Like that. Um, our, the music. You know, we had to evaluate our music. What, what would be God's wisdom about this? You say, you don't really think God has an opinion about that. I think God has an opinion about everything. Everything. And, and you're, my job and your job is to find the mind of the Lord. What does God want us to do? So we, you know, and that would have been such a big part of my life, a big part of my life, and, and it really affects me even to this day. But we quit listening to that music and started listening to Christian music. But even then we were listening to cont more contemporary music. It was music that was... It was kind of like the music of the world, but it had Christian words in it. And, and you know, I thought this is really cool. I mean, I'd, 
found a Christian radio station in Dallas where we live, and I was listening to this Christian music. But you know, the more I seriously researched the matter, the more I looked into the background of the music, the more I looked into the artists themselves, the doctrinal position of these people and the churches they represented and the lifestyle, you know, I, I started to change and realize, you know, even some of this Christian music's not okay. Now, I didn't come to, listen, I didn't come to that place because somebody preached a sermon on it. I came to that place because I want to know, I wanted to know what's God's best for my life. I want to know God's will about this. And I, I was driving to the office today and I was already having this sermon, you know, working on this sermon, thinking about it. But I began to think about things that were so much a part of our life as far as holidays and traditions. And I'm saying this because Halloween's coming up, you know, in a few days. And we start, you know, we, we know what it's like for a young couple and you have children and they get, they get to be a part of all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we began to really look at what Halloween stands for. And we said, you know, for us, that's just not, a, that's not, the, I can't justify that. I don't think God's on board with that. And other holidays, even the whole Santa Claus thing and Christmas and Easter and the traditions of Easter and all these different things, you say, why do you? Because we want to know the mind of the Lord. It's not what's popular and what our family likes and what we've always done. We want to know the mind of the Lord. Listen, just because we enjoy something doesn't mean it's right. Just because the kids like it, just because other people do it, just because our family might give us some kickback on it, is not the standard. The standard is, what's the, what is the Lord? Does the Lord have an opinion about this? Here's, your, here's a question to really think about. If we're not seeking, if we're not seeking the mind of the Lord, then what are we seeking? What are we seeking? And the honest truth a lot of times is we're just seeking to do our own thing. And I want to say this again. I said it earlier, I said it again. We may not always agree on everything, but all of us ought to agree on this. We want the mind of the Lord. Now in this text, I'm going to wrap this up here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But in this text, there's a great promise. And I want to end with that. Notice what it says in verse 15. For he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. He that is spiritual. Now that's a great contrast to verse 14 when it says the natural man. He that is spiritual judgeth. And another word for judges would be discerning or determining or distinguishing. He that is spiritual judgeth all things. You know the best way to tell what's right or wrong Number one, draw close to God. Get as close to God as you know how to get. The second thing, cease from your own wisdom. Come to the place where you say, God, it, I, don't, I don't want my opinion to matter at all. I don't want my preference to enter into the equation. I want to cease from my own wisdom. I'm going to lay my wisdom aside. I'm going to draw as close to you as I know how, and I'm going to seek you. I'm going to seek for you to show me. And by the way, don't think for a moment that every big decision, you can spend 30 seconds and you can all just come to know the mind of the Lord. No, sometimes it may take praying about it and reading about it and studying about it and, and, and learning more about it and surrendering more and seeking God. 
He that is spiritual judges all things. The promise of wisdom is not to the most intellectual, not the smartest. It's not to the oldest. It's to the spiritual. And spiritual doesn't just mean we know how to say the language. Spiritual doesn't mean that we just go to church. Spiritual means that we're, ha- that we're walking in the spirit, not in the flesh. We're, we're not being carnal. We have the, we, he, look what it says in verse 16. Who hath known the mind of the Lord? Then we instruct him. The obvious answer is none. No one of us, but verse 16. But we have the mind of Christ. Now that doesn't mean that every one of us automatically knows everything that Jesus knows. No, it doesn't mean that. It just means this. We, we who are saved have the capacity, the capability of knowing the mind of God. We have that ability. Why? Because he teaches us. He's our teacher. That's what Jesus promised the disciples. When I go away, the Spirit of God is going to come and He's going to guide you into all truth. That's what we should want. So it's not, if it just meant that we're saved, you know what it says there in verse 16, we have the mind of Christ. If it just meant that all of us automatically just all agree, then we must not be saved because we don't, we don't agree on a lot of things. But it does mean we have the capacity, the capability Turn with me, if you would, to one last verse. To the right, to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. In, in verse 8, I, just want, I want to read verse 10, but I don't want to get to it. Verse 8, for God is my record, Paul writes to this church at Philippi. How greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. In my deepest heart, I long after you all. I love this, these, you as a congregation, as people. Verse 9, and this I pray, this is my prayer for you. That your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Judgment is like discernment. I'm praying that you'll abound more and more in knowledge and in judgment. The the sentence does not end, though, after judgment, though. Look in verse 10. That you may approve things that are excellent. Now, that to me is about determining, discerning. That you may prove things. Not that you may approve things that you prefer. Not that you may approve things that you agree with. Sometimes, Sometimes we could be guilty of going through the Scripture just trying to find proof of something we already believe, we want to find a Bible verse that teaches. And that's not what he's talking about. He said that you may prove things that are excellent. That means the best. To the Thessalonican church, he says, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. God wants us to, God wants us to know we have access to the mind of Christ. Because we're saved, because we have the Bible, because we have the Spirit of God to teach us, He is our teacher. All of us probably got saved at different points, and those of us who are saved at a different point in our life. But I just want to tell you, the best thing you could ever do about an issue is not just, not just I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't talk to people about it, but you ought to get in the book. 
and, and look in the Bible and read the words of the Bible as God's word to you and say, God, I want to know what you have to say about this. It may not be what I want. It may be what I want. But what, the main thing is I want to know what you have to say because the indwelling spirit of God guides us into truth. The truth about doctrine. You know, I, you and I hear people say, well, you know, that, that doctrine is not all that stuff that matters. You know where they get that? They don't get that from reading this book. They may get it from some Christian radio station. They may get it listen to some preacher or teacher. But you don't get from this book that doctrine is not consequential. You don't get it from there. Get in the book. You say, well, I don't really understand it. Well, ask God to show you. Ask God to show you. And by the way, you don't need a Bible with modern English to be able to understand. What we need, what we need is the spirit spiritual sensitivity, alertness, sensitivity to God's spirit and his truth and let him show us. You know, getting saved is a wonderful thing, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing. But two things about that. Number one, it's not the end of the road. It's just the beginning of the journey. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you're as mature as you ought to be. None of us are. I'm certainly not. But another thing about being saved is this. It's like, a, it's like a spiritual minefield, especially now when so much is available on the Internet and on the radio and different people and places. I mean, and it was that way when I got saved. People won't know if I'd spoken in tongues yet. And I said, no, but God has certainly changed my language. <laughs> This is serious business. Young person, this is serious business. Before I got saved, I could, I could quote you. I could tell you about all the players on all the professional teams and what the standings were. and all. You know what? I couldn't tell you anything about that. I watched, the other day, I watched one inning of one of the Cardinals' uh, game right before the playoffs started. And the guy, there was a guy that was a leadoff batter and man, they were just raving about this guy and what a great season he had. I'd never even heard his name before. <laughs> I don't care about that stuff. I'm not saying it's wrong to know that stuff, but here's the stuff you really ought to want to know. What does the Bible say? Spend time in a book. We, need, we, we want the mind, the mind of God. Isn't that a good phrase? Who hath known the mind of the Lord? And if none of this means anything to you, and I hope it's not true of anyone here, it may be because you don't know the Lord. You don't have a relationship with Him. Amen? And if that's true, if that's true, you ought to be saying, Lord, help me to get this figured out. Nothing in life more important than that. I think we'd all agree with this. Even as, even as saints, even as saved people, we can be negligent really about knowing the mind of the Lord, knowing God's word. It's an amazing thing after being saved for a lot of years and reading through the Bible a lot of times how you still find things. You think, how did I read that? So I just said to my wife the other day, we were reading, I said, I don't even remember that word. <laughs> Isn't that something? It's an amazing book. It's a miraculous book. Let's pray together, all right? Would you pray tonight and say, Lord, I want to I make this a 
goal of my life. I want to make this a part of my a part of my journey to know the mind of the Lord. It would be a big step. It would be a big step just for us to all agree individually and say, Lord, I don't want to trust that because I think something's so, that makes it so. I don't want to, I don't want to always just do what I think I want to do or just do what I think is right. I want to really make this a part of my life. Our fathers, we pray this evening, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the promise in this passage that we can have the mind of Christ, that we can have the mind of the Lord, not because it's in us, we know it's not in us. Who can know the mind of the Lord? God, we, don't, we know it's not in us. We know how, how really messed up our thinking can be, but we want to, we want to be, we want to believe the promise that he that is spiritual discerneth all things, that we can discern right from wrong, that we can approve things that are excellent, things that would be pleasing to you. God, we need that. We want that. Father, help me and help us all to take this seriously.